Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. I'm your host, Phil, joined by Logan and John today. This is episode number 97, and on today's podcast, we're going to be discussing building projects for friends and family and all the perils that lie therein, as well as ways for woodworkers to treat themselves at this time of year. I hope you enjoy today's episode. This episode of the Shop Notes podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Magazine. Woodsmith Magazine has been the trusted source for all your woodworking information for over 40 years. From tips and techniques to furniture projects to shop projects, you'll find it all at Woodsmith Magazine. Subscribe today at woodsmith.com. All right, so to get things started, normally we kind of save the project updates till the end of the episode, but I'm going to admit something right now. I am not going to finish some Christmas presents. Uh-oh. Oh, Lord. I know I talked a good game earlier this year about being done, mm-hmm. and I made I made a lot of gifts this year, so I'm pretty proud of that. But yeah. getting sick and being out for like two and a half weeks, that's a killer on yeah. finishing up. Yeah. Yeah, that Thanksgiving, that Thanksgiving and then the first two weeks of December is kind of prime time, so yeah, not a good time to be out. So, so. I feel a little bad about that, but yeah, but probably for next year. Yep, yep. It's kind of like losing in the conference championship game and not being able to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, you had a good season. You had a good run. Right. Yeah. You you'll get them next year. Yep. <clears throat> It's like being proud of the fact you had one home playoff game. (laughs) All right, so here's one of the questions that I had. And it was brought up by um, an article we just shipped off to our printer, another issue of Woodsmith. And in it, Eric Loggie, who's been on the podcast before, wrote a great gear article. And it was kind of a smattering of tool recommendations and one that I just didn't think about until I was out in my shop the other day you know I had just read that article as we were doing copy edits and stuff on it and then was in my shop and kind of experienced it but he had talked about getting an impact driver and then realizing that he needed to get impact driver bits for his impact driver because if you use regular bits on it, you are going to smoke those so fast. Which made me think, you know, an easy way for a woodworker to treat him or herself at this time of year would be to just chuck all of your driver bits and buy a new set. <laughs> Recycle them. Yeah. I would I would put drill bits in the same category. Driver bits and drill bits. Sure. Because more than likely they're dull, and you probably just throw them back in the cabinet to self-sharpen as they roll right. around. At least that's what we do. Yeah. yeah, I wish there was a way to like keep track of like because we'll have bit sets, and you use the most common um, sizes a lot. Like keep track of like I I just need to replace these few sizes because they're right. dull. I wish mm-hmm. there was a way to, to keep track of that and tell by just looking at them rather than well, them out. He's like, well, this sucks and I'm going to put it back. I think you go to the next guy. <laughs> I think you go to the bit index and just see which ones are missing. And those are the ones. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like the 10 millimeter socket. <laughs> just right. like have a, have a bucket of those. Yep. 
bucket of quarter inch, bucket of three sixteenths, and eighth inch. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking I might actually do that and then replace all my driver bits with impact rated driver bits, even though I don't have an impact driver. Just because they're made out of a harder steel, you know, they're less likely to get goobered up when you, you know, when it slips out of a screw head or something like that. Especially for, you know, like your number two Phillips or number two square drive, you know, some of those things. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like I always have a lot of uh, number two square drive just because of get them every time you get like a Craig jig. Yeah. Get one of those with them. It's <clears throat> I'm always out of number two Phillips. I can never find them. I yeah. just don't use a lot of Phillips screws. So then when I go to do it, I don't have. So yeah, I always try to get a couple when I think about it when I'm at the hardware store. But So let me ask you guys, what's your favorite screw head? Uh, I like the Torx heads. A lot, but that's usually more on um, like deck screws and mm-hmm. and uh, construction type screws. Yeah. Um, otherwise, square head. Yeah, okay. I would say probably square head are probably the ones that I use most often. But I I prefer the Torx. Yeah. Or Star Drive or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like because you can even go to Menards and find. What is it? Uh, not Spacs. What's the other one? GRK. GRK. GRK yeah. RX something. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever yeah. it is. And I think those are a lot. A lot of those are star drive. They are. Well, even in the normal wood screw sizes. Yeah. I was gonna say, the thing I like about the, the Torx head and the uh, Robertson, the the square drive, are that. It's very clear whether you have the right size bit or not. Yes. Phillips mm-hmm. bit Phillips. You can make a little Phillips fit a big screw and vice yeah. versa, but it's going to strip out. Yeah. So I like that. I like that positive uh, connection that those have. I do like Spax has that combo head where you can use mm-hmm. a big Phillips bit or you can use a square drive on it. Yeah. yeah. And I do like that. That's good. Now, all those screws are ugly, in my opinion, but that doesn't matter most right. of the time. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like thats it's still kind of a clean look to it. I don't – it's not yeah. any different to me than a Phillips head or slotted yeah. screw or whatever. I See, mean, I, it's, I do it's like – It's cleaner than a stripped-out Phillips <laughs> head. That's, that's fair. I do that's like – three-quarters of the way in. I do like exposed screws, like if they're like hinge or um, – yeah, mainly just hinge screws. If if I like, I do like the slot. Oh yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I just like being able to clock them because right. why not be pompous like that? Right. Yeah. See, and I wish they made little tiny hinge screws that were square drive. Would that, that mean? Would be, to be fair, that would be awesome. That would yeah. Because then you could easily clock them because you're never more than it's, it's always less than ninety degrees. Yeah. Or if they just made like a round head drivers and then yes. you didn't have to clock them at all. I've right made some around. of those screws. Yeah. Yeah. It's a security it's feature. Easy. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Locks them in place. Yep. 
So yeah, so that was just kind of something that I was thinking about that just made me like, and like you said, with drill bits is another perfect example of things that you just hold on to, even though they work terribly. Mm. Like we have a couple of square drive driver bits on the video set that are essentially ball and yeah. steel rods. Yep. You could drive from any angle with them. <laughs> oh, which reminds me, this is something that I picked up from my brother-in-law. We were doing something and he had some, I don't know, we were assembling something and it required Allen wrenches. Mm-hmm. And rather than dig out Allen wrenches, he went and grabbed his uh, Torx drivers and used those. So you can get, you can match up the Torx driver because it's hex shaped. Yeah. Into okay. Allen wrenches, and then you can, or into like an, I don't know, Allen head screw or whatever you mm -hmm. want to call it. And then he was able to use his drill driver on it. <laughs> I cannot condone nice. this. <laughs> that voids the warranty. <laughs> yeah, I can't. It was unbelievable and kind of uncanny how well some of those fit. Now, obviously, you're going to get some of the like weirdo, super tiny yeah. or odd four and a half millimeter. Yeah, but no, he had because he had hex or he had Torx drivers in, you know, like whatever increments that five increments, five step increments from like 50, 15 to 40 or 45 or something like that. So, hmm. and it was just one of those things where it was like, that's so crazy. It just might work. <laughs> so why can't you condone that? Um, because in my thought is there's a lot of missing surface area there. Oh yeah. Like, Having broken mini Allen wrenches trying to get like industrial cap head screws out, mm -hmm. I just feel like you're asking for something to strip. Okay. But That's I'm not saying it won't work. Like, if you're just assembling something that isn't right. like wrenched down, if you got Loctite purple on it, I don't know if they make purple, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> Loctite purple. I did, I will say though, I did buy for, I have an impact driver um, and it's the Ryobi one. <clears throat> it's okay. Like for driving screws, perfect. I'm not going to bust lug nuts off of a NASCAR with it, but that's not what I use it for. So it's fine. I yeah. did buy, um, I bought a set of impact sockets for it, bought a okay. set of impact um, Allen head uh, sockets too. So like, no. and I bought those because our campers fifth wheel hitch on it, use some Allen head screws that needed torque to a certain setting and I needed oh, like sure. a long reach. So, I mean, but they are very handy to have, I will say. Yeah. So that's one of the few things I, eh, there's a handful of things I go to Harbor Freight for, but like the impact stuff, you can't beat it in my opinion. Cause it's, like dirt cheap and a lifetime warranty. All right. That's fair. Mm -hmm. I've stayed away from the impact driver just because of the loud. It is. It's very loud. Did you use an impact driver on making your playset, John? 
Um, probably. I think I had all the tools out there <laughs> between like the impact driver and drill, whatever I could find that had a charged battery. <laughs> I was using it. So, which is yeah. I was gonna say that's one of my my issues. Like, do you guys have the same issue where you have seventy batteries, but only two of them have charge? Right. And then it's like, then you wait. That's like step one before you start a project. Plug in all your batteries, get them all charged. So, which was funny because we were um, using, you know, wet treated lumber and the kids wanted to help drive all the screws and use an impact driver. Didn't know when to stop. So they're like <laughs> driving them basically all the way through the board. It's like, had to be right there. It's like, okay, stop. Yep. Yeah. So. Oh, it would be nice if there was a clutch on the impact driver. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. That would kind of defeat the purpose of the impact driver. I know it would. Right? Right. Like, <clears throat> yeah. But I, it's funny. So I was, I helped uh, last weekend to help my buddy Russ. We went and picked up a bunch of pine trees. Actually, earlier in the year, I, f- like early spring, I filmed some uh i filmed us going and picking up these some of these pine trees this was these were derecho trees okay um a, a my buddy russ uh guy yeah, he's mid to late 70s um has a swing blade mill over by me um we've been pretty good friends uh, i i learned something from him every time i i hang out with him i just love hanging out with him and he's like hey he's like i gotta go pick up all these white pines i was like heck yeah i'm gonna go with you i invited myself along uh because Russ has a very special way of loading logs. Like he has a log arch that's like a basically it's like an LP tank hauler where he backs over the log and winches it up and chains oh. it there. Yeah. Um, so he does that with really big logs. But then he also has a flatbed trailer that has a log arch on the back and he uses a little Honda gas winch with rope and just he winches logs right up onto his trailer. It's super cool. So I took my camera. We dropped a bunch of trees, uh, a bunch of these pines that had been broken during the derecho and stuff. And um, we winched them up. So I took a whole video of that. But I went with him last weekend uh, to um, do these trees. And I have no idea where I was going with this. What were we talking about right before this? Oh, the batteries. Okay. So a squirrel. Uh, anyways. <laughs> So we went and knocked down a bunch more of these pine trees. And on the way back to his house, um, he lives on a gravel road and it's a corner. It's a hard corner. I'm guessing people take it pretty quickly. We're, we're pulling back into his driveway. I'm like, Russ, stop. And I jump out of his truck and there's a brand new Milwaukee M18 battery sitting there. Like a, It was like a 6,000 amp hour battery. It's like a $300 battery. Yeah. It's just laying in the gravel road, um, which... My question is, do you guys, when you buy batteries, do you buy higher amp hour batteries or because we're all kind of home shop heroes, do you buy the lower amp hour ones? Yeah, uh, I'd say usually the lower amp yeah. ones just because they're smaller and okay. I don't know. <clears throat> I'm not working all day outside on building houses, so yeah, I don't need them to last that long, but... I do have uh, a couple of Bosch cordless tools in their 12-volt size, the smaller one, and I did buy higher amp-hour batteries for those. Okay. I mean, they make some after – because those are the – 
I don't know. They're the like stick size. You know, it's kind of a it's three sided, but it's rounded. Yeah. You know, so it's not like a big square pad. Yeah. But they do make like an aftermarket. You can find them on Amazon. Even higher amp hour batteries, but have that big square pad on. And I just they're relatively inexpensive, but I just can't. Yeah. Part of the reason I like those little Bosch ones is because of their compact size, and I don't want to go that big on it. I wish I had a bigger amp hour battery for my Ryobi uh, cordless pole saw. Yeah. Yeah, that, that definitely takes more amps to run it. Yeah. See, I I will say I have of my Ryobi set, which I hope I get crap for having Ryobi stuff because I'm ready to fight somebody. Uh, <laughs> I, I have probably three of the big Ryobi batteries. And they're, I mean, they're big. I don't know exactly what amp hour they are, but they have to be over 5,000 amp hour uh, or 5 amp hour, 5,000 milliamps. Um, but then I have a bunch of the smaller ones too. I actually favor the big ones just because it adds a lot of weight to the bottom of the tool and then it'll stand up and it doesn't tip over. Because like okay. if I have a big, like if I'm using my impact driver and I got a big socket on the end and I set it down, if I have a little battery, it just tips over tips over yeah which really annoys me mm-hmm. so because i can't be inconvenienced to pick it up off the ground i need it right to be, now to be ready to shake my hand when i reach out to grab it yeah 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 hearing you talk about ryobi that's what i have too and you probably got sucked in the same way where there was probably some deal where oh yeah buy a tool and you get it free or buy the battery you know yeah and then it's like well i already got the battery so now i have to buy more tools to fit those batteries and that's, that's exactly what it in. is they suck you in and, <laughs> and you're just locked in forever dang you yep. tti all your batteries die and well especially with ryobi because like their battery configuration like even if you have their old uh nicad tools like, like the, the eight blue stuff you know the yeah. new the old blue stuff their their lime green batteries will snap right in there and just yep. plug right along yeah like we had uh I think it was from when we still had Workbench magazine, and they did a lot more tool reviews. And uh, in one of our cleanouts, like a year ago, when we were trying to not be on an episode of Hoarders, um, Dylan found a cordless Ryobi cordless radio. Did you the, see he was using it this week? Yeah, in the yeah. navy blue. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's an old one, and it's got a digital tuner on it. And he just snapped a new battery in it and was using it this week. Yeah. And, you know, for being kind of a dopey looking little radio, like it had some decent sound. I was kind of, I was, I was a little shocked. So So here's, here's a question, I guess, for all of our listeners, all six of them. I want to know if any of them have bought any of the Chinese batteries, because you can go get like on Amazon or eBay, eBay, probably more so you can get like aftermarket batteries yeah like, that's what my father-in-law did with his was he happy uh, with them yeah he's been really happy with them he was okay. pushing me to get them and i just i don't know like i said they, he was getting it primarily because it was a larger capacity batter battery sure. and i just didn't want to do that for convenience yeah like because I, I mean you can go like buy the ryobi batteries or the rigid or the milwaukee batteries and stuff they're expensive like i said that, that oh yeah that battery i picked up when russ and i were out 
off the road, it was it's like $250-$300 battery. It was an expensive battery. I'm like, God, that seems really expensive. And just, I mean, I, a quick eBay search, I found the same amp hour battery for the Milwaukee M18 series on eBay for like 80 bucks. I mean, it was like some like lime, you know, or orange painted, <clears throat> you know, off brand. Right. But I'd be interested, like there's a point where I like my money more than I like the name brand. Right. So, and it's one of those things where it's like, so say it doesn't, it lasts half as long, but you've paid a third the price. You're still money ahead if you exactly. buy two. I don't know. I guess that's to me. That's always been the part that I can that nobody can explain with cordless tool batteries, because you you know, especially this time of year, mm-hmm. you'll see, and it's not just Ryobi; it's all of them. Yep. Where it's like, get this eight cordless tool pack with a duffel bag, a charger, and two batteries, and it's one hundred and twenty dollars. Yep. If you go to buy a cordless you know, a charger and two batteries, it's $385. Exactly. It's like, I don't, it's the plutonium inside the batteries. It's kind of like uh, a home printers and ink. It's like, you can get a printer for $40 with ink, but then you got to get more ink and that's $80. Yes. Like, well, I'm just going to throw this printer away and get a new printer with ink then. Yep. Exactly. Now I get, I get, and I understand, and I kind of came across this, uh, in the chainsaw world, and I don't know if I talked about it at all or not. Uh, one of the upcoming articles in Pop Wood uh, for early spring or late spring, early summer is going to be a chainsaw milling article. So I have a chainsaw mill, and I need to get a power head for it. Um, and I have a friend that has a steel 880, which is the biggest saw that steel makes. It's 120 cc's, um, which will power this seven foot bar that is on this chainsaw mill. Whoa. Or, so I could, I mean, I'm going to use that one for the article. Uh, but I'm thinking, I would like to have a power head to run this mill just for the rando, big, huge log. And it kind of dovetails in really nicely with my sawmill because I could quarter a log and put, so for a log that's too big for my mill, I could quarter it and then put the quarter on my mill or have it and put the half on my mill. Oh, sure. Um, so it dovetails in really nicely. Uh, but it's like, I don't want to be borrowing a saw every time I need to run this thing. Um, the steel MS 880 or 881 is a $2,000 saw for just the saw. It's an expensive chainsaw. Now you can buy what's called, uh, they used to call them gray market saws. Um, they have now renamed them. Uh, there's a company that sells them called Holtz Forma or farm tech. Um, it used to be that, uh, the company that manufactures steel um, stuff in China, I'm assuming, or Taiwan, uh, used to sell fully assembled saws without branding on them. Those oh, were considered yeah. gray market saws. Now, steel, uh, from my understanding, steel sued them and said, you can't sell assembled saws. They said, okay, we'll sell a rebuild kit that has every part you need to assemble your own <laughs> saw. Nice. Uh, but now they... They still sell those, but now uh, this company, Holtz Forma, sells, uh, they call them clones. So they sell like an MS-880 clone. Is now, that on I've, the dark web? It is on the dark web. <laughs> um, now that, like, they have a legit website and everything. Like, I mean, they're very well known. They're widely known saws um, in the chainsaw world, the the blue clones. Uh, and the, the MS-880, like I said, from Steel is $2,000. 
the Holtz Forma version is like three hundred seventy dollars. Mm. Now I know I still so I see I see Phil's face, and I kind of do that too. I'm like, mm, something there seems plastic, <laughs> you know, like. How can you go from a two thousand dollar saw down to a three hundred? It's like let's call it four hundred dollars after shipping. Uh, but I have heard that they will run and they will run just as well as the MSA eighty. Maybe not for as long, but chainsaw milling's hard on a chainsaw. So I'm thinking, I guess my <clears throat> my thought process in my head is if. I buy a Holtzforma, a clone, at a fifth of the price. Am I going to get more than a fifth of the time out of it? Because to me, it seems like a pretty good, seems like a pretty easy gamble. Yeah. You know, especially, if I, can get, especially if I can get through two or three logs with it and potentially pay for it, 880 if I wanted to go that route or if I ever had problems with it. But no, it's just kind of the same thing. Now, I do understand there are people that say, well, the steel saws are, um, they're engineered, you know, somebody's knocking off the German engineering, like so, somebody's stealing somebody else's work to do that. And I think you could, you can make the same argument with cordless tool batteries, but at the same time, but it's just a battery. I mean, it's not, yeah, it's not the motor itself. Yeah. You can make one you out know, of a be potato like... and lemon juice. Right. <laughs> so, but I mean, that's like, car batteries i mean it would it be any different from a car battery that you can buy any different brand of car battery no, i don't think so now when you start getting into the pri- proprietary type of batteries i'm sure i'm sure when like the first you know lithium ion battery came out they yeah. were you know pretty white pretty protected but I don't know. yeah but yeah, I mean, it would be different than if you were trying to find like a a knockoff engine for your Ford pickup truck. Yep. Harbor Freight probably makes one. Predator. Probably. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, I was in Harbor Freight the other day. And I don't know, have, when's the last time either of you guys have been in Harbor Freight? Oh, it's been a while. It's, it's been a while. And it was probably with my brother-in-law, because he is a... He, I would like my brother-in-law, so shout out Jason, because I know you're listening here. You and Logan need to get together and go to Harbor Freight, and we will film it and put it on. <laughs> okay, so here's here's what I have to say about Harbor Freight. And I know we've talked about Harbor Freight before. I used to love Harbor Freight because you could walk in and buy the cheapest stuff ever. Like, you want a 16-piece socket set, that'll be $1.50, right? Right. Harbor Freight has like stepped up their game. Oh yeah, but they're they big also, time in you now. Kind of, well, kind of, but they've also stepped up their prices. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just like inflation in general. But like, I was in there. Um, what was I getting? Oh, I was buying those uh, magnetic toolbars for the lathe station across the street. Uh, oh sure. Yeah, I just needed some stuff to hold some lathe tools next to the lathe. Um, and I was just, I mean, if I'm in there, I'm going to wander around and see what's in there. Um, because one of the most popular articles I know that Woodsmith's done and Pop Woods done them too is you know top ten Harbor Freight purchases. Sure, you know it's like people love to be cheap. So I'm I'm just kind of walking around seeing what they have. Some of their some of their power tools look legit. 
like they have a new um their bauer brand or their hercules brand um it's not the chicago electric stuff anymore mm. they still have some of that stuff but like yeah. some of it i'm like harbor freight selling a 300 hundred dollar impact driver interesting 10 years ago you could buy the whole dang store for 300 dollars <laughs> it was like the all it was like the Aldi's of the the tool world. Right. The dollar store. Yes. Yeah. But that was kinda it was just kinda interesting when I was walking around mm-hmm. in there. And they don't do the twenty percent off coupons anymore. So hmm. a little disappointed. But yeah. Consumables though, man. Not sandpaper. But like rubber gloves, chip brushes, acid brushes, that type of stuff. You can't beat it. And I have a couple of their drill bit sets at home. No problem, because I'm going to throw them away anyways at some point. All right. Okay, so we had a question come in from a listener, and I think it would be a fun discussion topic. And apropos for the three of us, because I know that we have, we've come up with, we've run into this scenario here on our own. Here's the question, and it's from... Rod, he says, I have traditionally made presents for family members. Most were small things like carved Santas, cutting boards, toys for the grandkids. The projects were selected because of time required because I worked a 50 to 60 hour week job and didn't have the time to commit to something significant. Well, I've retired after 43 years and now have a decent shop and the tools that I can tackle more things. My dilemma is making things for family members. Once I make one item, all the other family members want the same thing. As an example, I need to make my granddaughter a blanket chest. Once family members heard that, they all want one. I received additional I want one too from our two daughters, two granddaughters-in-law, one sister-in-law, and three close neighbors. So if I meet the needs of everyone, I turn into a production shop making repeats of the same thing for years. I don't work fast. In some cases, there are hurt feelings or jealousy when their request is not met. I don't like making things over and over again. So I know you guys make gifts from your comments and a tour, my tour of your shop at the last Woodsmith gathering. How do you guys handle and manage the expectations? Any strategies that you can recommend? Mm. Yeah, that's tough, especially when like family or friends are asking you to do something and you want to do it one time like one off, like cheap or free. And then if you do a good job, it's like everybody wants it cheap or free. So it's like, how do you, so yeah, that's a tough one. Cause yeah, usually somebody is like, Hey, will you do this? I'll pay you. And it's like, you can't afford me. If you're paying me to do it, you can't afford me to do it. I'll do it out of the kindness of my heart one time. Right. But as like what he's saying as a production type thing, yeah, you can go down a rabbit hole of just making stuff and see. And I, I follow the mantra of I don't make the same thing for people that I know. So, like to me, it it doesn't necessarily do it, but in my mind, it kind of cheapens it. Like I made that blanket chest for whoever with them in mind. Now, if yeah. I make three of those, it lessens the gift I gave to them. That's kind of my mentality. Now that may not be completely accurate or true, um, but 
that's kind of like I built a, a poker table for a friend of mine. I don't really want to build another one of those because it kind of cheapens that initial one in mm-hmm. my mind. So. Yeah. It's like you want to make make it one time out of because your enjoyment of the woodworking and sharing it with that person and then yeah. like what he's saying, you start everybody wants the same thing and you're in production mode and yeah. it just kind of takes a toll on you as far as mentally not enjoying it anymore. So yeah. So I don't know how you would handle that. Just tell them, yes, I made this once. It's a one-off. There's no other piece like it. If you want something, I'll you know find something else. But yeah, it from my own experience with doing Christmas gifts like that, I <clears throat> I've kind of done recently or the last few years where one of the gifts is kind of like the big gift. And we, we exchange names on, on both sides of our family. So when we get to that, it's like other people that we, that I make gifts for will get something that I made, but then one of them is, uh, kind of a special all out there sort of thing. And the idea is that, you know, that the big gift goes to whoever this year, next year, it's somebody else. So in the course of several years, you're going to get the big gift one, you know, through there. And in between, it's a little bit more like you just kind of, I don't know. I think it's, it has a lot to do with communication. Like I do the gifts because I love making things and I love being able to make the connection of me being able to make something that is meaningful to the person that gets it. And like you said, Logan, like if you make, you know, like when I did all those spoons a few years ago, mm-hmm. um, that was tough, man. Just, oh, yeah. it was like 28 spoons or something like that. And, you know, and then everybody kind of got the set, which was sort of what I wanted to do, but yeah, it did sort of make it not as cool. It, may, it makes it less personal. I guess right. is the, is the yeah. best way to put it. And that's, I felt the same way when I did all those cutting boards. Like I just, I did a cutting board, uh, man, a couple months ago for a friend of mine that was, that just got married. And it's like, that felt more personal to me. Cause as I'm making it, I know who it's going to, as I'm doing right. a batch of 30 cutting boards, I know the people that are going to get them, but I don't know who's going to get what. Yeah. So, you know, you lose some of that personal connection. And I mean, it doesn't matter. Not really in the grand scheme of things, but that's why I don't like doing that. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say it always, it always feels like a lot more enjoyment to do something that's just, you know, purely out of the enjoyment and out of a gift rather than stuff that's required of you. Oh yeah. yeah. You're required to make 20 of these or, it's been a lot more fun to make the like projects for my kids that they weren't expecting and didn't what weren't necessary and those were always more fun and I got done quicker than the stuff on the like the honeydew list or stuff that you know right needed to be it done yeah like the stuff that you want to do you're going to make time for the stuff that you have to do all of a sudden turns into a job at least yeah. for this you know because I mean yeah 
there are people that do woodworking for a living. And yes, if you're going to do that, then if you make the announcement that you're making, you know, you got an order for a blanket chest and for this to be economical, it's better if you can make 12 of them at once instead of one. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you're a hobbyist woodworker doing it for enjoyment, then one at a time or just two or something like that, if you're making, you know, for whatever. <clears throat> but yeah, I would try and communicate the fact that, you know, there's a reason why you're doing these one at a time and it's, you know, maybe it was a gift for Christmas for say, you know, at some point, but then maybe say that when such and so is ready to graduate high school or college, then there's going to be a special gift that goes with that. Mm -hmm. And then you have, you know, there's an, a, a connection to it. I've done a couple of, like I gave my sister-in-law, uh, a quilt rack based off of a woodsmith version that we did. And she really liked it and wanted me to make one like for her parents or something like that. I ended up making two others and that one wasn't too bad cause it's a relatively small project. Yeah. But you know, at that point I just communicated that, you know, this one's going to cost yeah. just because my time gets involved with it. And it's not a gift at that point. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a job. Yeah. And a lot of times you're, when you're making gift projects, you're using kind of scrapped wood, scrap wood that you've kind of pieced together yeah. to make one. And it's like, oh, I got to make 20 of them. Now I have to go buy lumber yeah. and you have more expense in it. And <clears throat> it's a little bit harder. Well, so. this, this kind of goes back to like, when you get to that point, it kind of circles back to how do you charge for that then? You know what I mean? Like, right. Like I did all those planters earlier this summer for a friend of mine and I had to buy a little bit of lumber and for planters, um, the material I had to buy ended up being about $800. And that was, that was basically just red cedar for the top and the finish and some screws. Uh, I did buy some pressure treated too. Um, however, the large majority of the cedar I used was a cedar tree that I milled. So it's like, I, I didn't charge him for that. Yeah. But in reality, my opportunity cost there was significantly higher because I could have probably sold all that cedar for two grand, you know? So it's like, yeah. how do you, how do you charge for that? And if you're using, like, it's different if you're using scrap or if you just happen to have the lumber, like if it's a left, you know, the term scrap, it could be left over from another project that you had to pay for. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I understand that most people pay for their lumber. Um, so I don't know. It just, it gets, it gets weird when you start adding additionals onto it. Right. Yeah. And I've, when I've done, yeah, when I do a gift project, I don't really figure my time costs or whatever into it. Yeah. That's just my, that's part of the gift. Um, but if I'm doing it for a family member, um, which I've had requests from different people to make them things that I usually, because I enjoy making it so much. And if I'm excited about it, then I'm just asking them to pick up my material costs. Yeah. Um, material and hardware, you know, if it's going to be something that's intensive that way, and then maybe I'll throw in some extras in terms of stuff that I'm going to use up. 
you know, like get a new set of straight bits for the router or something, because I'm going to be doing a bajillion dados or something, or, you know, knowing that you're going to need a new bandsaw blade or table saw blade yeah. or something like that to kind of think about, you know, it's not just straight materials because you are putting wear and tear on your tools and they're eventually going to get, you know, different parts of them are going to need to get replaced. Yeah. And it's a totally different calculus. And I try to be upfront with family members on that than it is to be in business where then you're thinking about, you know, at that point, then the three of us are the wrong people to be talking to. You know, you need to send an email to Nancy Hiller, yep. you know, and read some of her stuff that she's written on blogs and whatever about being legitimate in terms of taxes and insurance and um, marketing costs and photography. And so, yeah, it's, it's delicate because then you deal with family members and it is, you know, people get bent out of shape about it. But I guess if you can connect it to the uniqueness of the of the gift and the fact that your turn is coming at some point and mm -hmm. you will get something special too. I don't know. I would just handle it the way I handle stuff like that with my kids and I just say it's because they're my favorite. Mm -hmm. And that usually just solves everything. Right. You know? Then there's no hurt feelings. <laughs> awesome. Or you, you just, just go with what what you learned in, um, like what my kids learned when they were in preschool. You get what you get, and you don't throw a fit. Right. <sighs> so, so I think the answer is we don't have the answer. Right. <laughs> just tell everybody no. Build what yeah. you want. Build for yourself. Yeah. Become a hermit. That's the answer. You know, I thought... I thought his uh, his email initially was to say, you know, I worked 50 to 60 hours a week, and now I'm retired. I got a shop, and I have less time. Because yeah, <laughs> right. I hear a lot of retired time. people say that. Like, yeah. I have less time now than when I worked. Generally, yeah, I, absolutely. There's a couple of guys that I work with with the Des Moines woodworkers, and they're like, I can't – I kind of want to get a part-time job just so that I have some more time. Yeah, I'm kidding. Most of the time I, I – feel like it is blamed on the spouse like my spouse has a honey-do list for me that I have to get done so now I'm yeah. stuck doing that all the time well that's why one of our former editors Ted Rafe who you talked about meeting last yeah. week uh, that's part of the reason that he retired from here was that he had a bunch of stuff that he needed to do on his house so it was like the only way he was going to get that done was to not have a regular job. Yep. All right. You guys got any project updates? I'm just coasting to the end of the year here. Yeah. Going to hit it harder than 2022. All right. I'm working on a grill cart. So lawn darts got finished last week, this week. Was that this week I finished those? I think it was this yep. week. Earlier this week, yeah. Um, and started yesterday on a grill cart build. So, and this was another one of those things, like I was going to build it out of Iroko or a white oak, but then I started pricing that. And then I'm like, man, I'm going to build this out of cedar because the cedar pricing is a whole lot less than the white oak or the Iroko. But, and it was still $600. Hmm. 
And it's like, there's not much to it. It's all like cedar 4x4s and um, some cedar 2x4s and stuff. Uh, but, yep, got got a good start on that yesterday. I have panels getting glued up right now, so it's kind of all built out of uh, big box store cedar um, that you could plane down or not if you want to square it off or not. Um, mortise and tenon joinery on it. Um, it's a pretty thinking, you know, building myself up to this project. I, I'm the kind of person that just kind of like will sketch out rough dimensions and then just build it and whatever comes out, comes out. Um, okay. And I, in my head, I'm like, God, this is going to be such a pain in the butt. This is going to take me like two weeks to build. Like why, why did I decide to put this in the magazine right now? when it's a short issue for Popwood. Uh, man, I pounded through a lot of it yesterday. So I don't have a whole, there's not a whole lot there. It's like, it's a carcass that has mortise and tendon rails. There's one drawer, two doors, and a tip out for charcoal. Like there's not a whole lot there. So um, I'm feeling, today I'm feeling a lot better about it than I did earlier this week. So pretty excited. That's cool. I do, I will say, we've joked about this, about vegan woodworking before, about using all softwoods. Ah, cedars. Uh-huh. Oh my god, I love that cedar. It's it smells so nice. It just it, it works nice. The best part about cedar is you can route out a three quarter inch deep mortise with a half inch bit in one pass. Just <laughs> whop whop, and it's done. Uh, so I could. It just again, this makes me want to spend a long, long, long weekend driving out to the uh, west coast picking up a load of cedar logs and bringing them back to cut. Like, it just makes me want to do that so bad. You can't find cedar around here in the ditches? Not, I mean, different <laughs> cedar. That's, that would be eastern cedar. Yeah. I need western red. Um, yeah. And it's it's kind of weird that every cedar, cedars are generally, you, you think of cedar, you think of it's weather resistant and it's insect resistant. I have never cut a cedar in Iowa that did not have carpenter ants in it. Hmm. I don't know why, but they do. So they just like the smell, I guess. I guess mm-hmm. they know that the, there aren't going to be moths in there. That's true. So, yeah. All right. Cool. I think that kind of wraps it up for today's episode of the Shop Notes podcast. If you have any questions, comments, smart remarks, we'd love to hear them. You can leave them in the comments section on our YouTube channel where you can also watch the podcast. Or you can send us an email, woodsmith at woodsmith.com. Don't forget to check out the show notes page when I get it up there. It's at woodsmith.com slash podcasts. Otherwise, we'll see you next time for another episode of the Shop Notes Podcast. Bye, everybody. This episode of the Shop Notes Podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Plans. You'll find nearly a thousand plans covering everything that you'd want to build. From furniture projects to gift projects, kitchen accessories, workshop projects and jigs, and more. Find your next project at woodsmithplans.com.